Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and horror adjacent films that you can stream on the internet. I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me is an ancient vampire goddess, Mars! Hello! <laughs> How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I just watched the movie for today, so I'm a little bit shook. Uh, we're going to be reviewing a little movie called Apostle, which it was a movie that I challenged myself to watch because I enjoyed being challenged so much by The Divide, and I broke a little something inside myself, I think. A little, a little piece of me died. I mean, it was a pleasant death, but it was still... So yeah, so we'll be talking about Apostle. I'm excited to hear what you think about it. I was going to ask you something, but I, then I got distracted, and I'm drinking a beer, so I forgot it completely. Oh, yeah, I'm drinking, too. Yeah, I'm drinking... Uh, actually, it's a cider, technically. It's that hibiscus cider. It's like a the the dry ciders with super tart oh so fucking good man so i good. still haven't found something like like because you have had this a few times while we've been doing the podcast and you mm-hmm. describe it to me and i want to try it but i haven't found anything i mean i also keep i mostly forget to look yeah but well when next time i visit you we will get some tarts we'll have some dry ciders and you're gonna you're gonna dig them they're really good they're i do tasty. like tart like i i love sour beers it's probably this the is, only beer I like. It's not quite as sour, but it it's like zero sweetness. Okay. It's it's kind of like a more flavorful fizzy water kind of. You know, okay. like you yeah, get yeah. the flavor of the fruit, but there's no sweetness. It's mm-hmm. like that, only a, like the flavor is a lot more intense. And it gets you drunk. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I highly recommend it. So, Mars, what have you been up to? I've gotten to the part, the point at work where, because, you know, I mean, I I think a lot of people do this, where you kind of, like, ease new coworkers into your full personality, you know, yeah, yeah, you, like, totally. by degrees. So I'm getting to the point where I'm pretty close to almost being full Mars at work. Good. And someone was talking about, I don't know how it came up. I wasn't listening to the beginning of the conversation, and I kind of came awake after they started, but they're talking about tattoos and how, like, you know, I don't know, that some tattoos don't age well or whatever. And someone was like, yeah, like, you know, can you imagine seeing like a 90 year old with a Pikachu tattoo? And I was like, I mean, it won't matter. We'll all be living in bunkers and as dweller survivors at that point anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and the response I got was someone being like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> they were ready. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> and then it doesn't help that yesterday as I was leaving work, there was a police officer in the in the parking lot. I don't know what he was doing. And I was leaving, and the guys at the front desk were like, oh, careful, the cops out there better hide your drugs. You know, like, whatever jokes. And I was yeah. like, oh, oh, no, gotta hide my... And then I looked out, and the police officer was driving away, and they were like, oh, there, he's gone. You can pull your drugs out. And I was like, yep, get him out my butt, put him back in my purse. And then I turned to walk away, and I was like, nope, that was... <laughs> that was not... <laughs> that was not the right joke to make. That was not the audience. Really? Maybe they were just in awe, you know what I mean? Like, if somebody said that, I I would be so delighted. I heard, like, one little bit of nervous laughter as I was walking out. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just did the thing. I was like, hold your head up and just keep walking. You can't take it back. Fuck, I hate that. I know that move so intimately. (laughs) So many times where you're just like, just... Just don't let it show on your face and keep moving I know. in a maybe straight line. Maybe if you don't act like it was weird, they won't think it was weird. Yeah. But fuck them. If they can't handle it, fuck them. And they're nice guys. They're just ones that I don't know very well. Well, <laughs> so you like, know them a little bit better now. <laughs> or at least they know me. Yeah. <laughs> 
out my butt and into my purse. Got it. <laughs> so I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. Okay. So uh, pause aside. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel like we're all warmed up. What do you think? I uh, yeah, I'm good. All right. So Apostle, I picked this one as I said because I had such a good time challenging myself with your pick of the divide that I kind of wanted to keep that streak going. And Apostle is a movie that has been recommended to me multiple, multiple times, like, because I love full core. I love anything about cults. I love anything that has sort of a Lovecraft vibe to it. And this appeared to kind of have some of that man alone facing existential dread kind of vibe that, you know, is very Lovecraftian. So, yeah. and I do really love Dan Stevens. So I, I was like, here, this is my chance. It'll force me to watch it. Cause I'll have a deadline. And that's why I picked it. And also because I kind of, I know your taste a little bit. So I thought this might be a fun one for us to talk about. Anytime <laughs> there's a movie with a secluded village, you know, like a mm-hmm. self, self, self-imposed isolation. Those villages always have super creepy, like, there's something going on under the surface vibe, and I like that. Oh, yes, definitely. Plus, you love some soft tissue damage, and mm-hmm. there was plenty of that to be had. Satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, so yeah, so this is from 2018. It was a Netflix movie. It's directed by Gareth Evans, who previously uh, had directed The Raid. Did you ever see The Raid? No. It's pretty, it's an awesome movie. It's from Indonesia. He's a Welsh director, but he he made a bunch of movies in Indonesia. I don't know the connection there, but he, it's about like um this cop. I don't remember the exact scenario, but because it doesn't really matter. It's just all <laughs> like a platform for him having to fight his way through 20 floors of trained martial artists. And it's super violent and super gory and amazing fight, fight choreography. So that's the first thing I put Gareth Evans on my radar. But probably the thing that I loved the most that he had done before this was, did you ever see VHS 2? Yeah. So he directed the segment called Safe Haven. It's like an Indonesian cult. Oh, I don't remember. It's the best one. A documentary crew goes into this cult in Indonesia, and it turns out it's on the day of some big prophesied event. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that was Gareth Evans. Oh! Yeah, so anything this guy does, I'm very interested in. His next project is a TV series called Gangs of London, where it's like modern day London and there's like gangs, international gangs take over London, which doesn't really sound like my jam, except for I'm very curious because it's him. And also because one of the other directors is Xavier Jens, who directed The Divide. Well, and because it sounds like a much more violent The Warriors, right? Right. Okay, good point. So. Excellent point. <laughs> Excellent points are being made today on the stream queens. <laughs> oh my god, if one of them is not on roller skates, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> yeah, if there is not a roller skate gang, missed opportunity. Right? <laughs> but yeah, so Gareth Evans, anything he does always catches my interest. It's just, like I said, the trailer for this includes the, what is it called? The Heathens Table or the Heathens something? Yeah. And I was just the like, Heathen oh. Stand? Yeah, it was like, ooh, I don't know if I can handle this. And we'll decide if I did a good job or not. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mars, enough about Apostle. Tell me about Apostle. So, to begin with, two things. One, we're going to spoil the entire thing from top to bottom. Two, a lot of things happen and I'm not going to remember them all. So we're going (laughs) to try to spoil it 
I'll do my best to spoil it. Long movie is very long. At one point, like, I was like, the typical runtime of a movie had gone by, and I was like, I'm going to go pee real quick. I paused it and still said 45 minutes left. I was like, how? (laughs) (laughs) How can there still be 45? Not that I'm complaining, but like. But what else could possibly happen? My internal clock is telling me that this movie has 10 minutes left. (laughs) <laughs> what is happening yeah and i watched it twice which will now from previous experience just because i watched it twice does not mean i'm gonna remember it that's okay i think you'll remember the most important parts yeah they tend to burrow their way into your mind yeah yeah i think my brain just takes breaks when we're taking like transitory scenes or like yeah. oh and then this is how we got to this building my brain is just like <laughs> 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 All right, well, from your best recollection, can you do a little synopsis for us? Sure. Uh, We start out with kind of a voiceover of a letter that's been, a ransom letter, basically, that's been sent to this old man. I mean, it's kind of a ransom letter. It's written by the, the ransom me? The ransom. Oh, oh, is it it by the sister? It's by the sister. So yeah, the ransom me. She's writing, saying, like, come save me. It's been so many days since they took me, and, you know, this is awful, blah, blah, blah. But the father is old and decrepit and heartbroken and somehow has tracked down his his drifter son. And the son is being convinced by, I'm guessing, an old family friend of some sort Mm -hmm. that he needs to go to this island and retrieve the sister. People on the island want money for her, but uh, they want the father to go alone and all this, and the father's just can't so the son decides to go get his sister he has to do it undercover yeah Yeah. he looks a mess so he gets a haircut and (laughs) uh i don't i'm i'm hoping this was makeup but that look they gave him throughout the movie with that kind of red rimmed eyes and just kind of a really kind of sallow skin was i i liked it because you know Mm -hmm. it really sold the fact that this guy is not a healthy man and he's made some choices that perhaps are not the best correct and he also has some sort of limp and takes painkillers which i mean given the time frame i'm assuming it's just liquid cocaine yeah maybe like a little bit of like what is it that they used to take oh lot laudanum or something laudanum or? yes thank you i was like <laughs> lidocaine ain't right <laughs> i know i was like i use asper cream and that has lidocaine in it is that not okay uh-uh no you're a crackhead bad <laughs> oh, news dang it <laughs> You're like the most boring version of a crackhead. I like show up at rehab with my little bottle of aspirin cream. Like, oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, uh, sorry. Um, so we we get some shots of the brother whose name is Thomas. Mm-hmm. Okay, I kept calling him Richard. Because, okay, so first His of all... His name is Thomas Richardson. Yeah, so they named him two first names, which means it's not my fault that I spent the whole movie being like, <laughs> Richard Thomason? Thomas Richardson. Tommy Richardson? <laughs> anyway. Thomas, right? Thomas. Yes, correct. Goes, he, so they, the, the people on the island have sent this, like, ticket to get onto a boat that will bring him to the island. And so he's going undercover. He's got the ticket that they sent his father. He's in line. And the guys who are loading the boat are making all these, you know, like, you can't take any printed books, right? You can only take, like, heirlooms and clothing and all this. So people are getting out of line to take their books out and burn their books. And that's when Thomas realizes that his ticket has a red dot on it and nobody else's does. Side note, 
if you're gonna secretly mark a man's yeah, maybe not a to big red a target, bloody print, right? Because like, yeah, like draw a little thumbs up or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe put a shape on the back. I don't know. But, like, so he notices that his has a red dot and nobody else's does. So in just an absolute dick move, he pretends to help an old man throw his books away and switches the tickets. Now, it is a dick move. But for me, it's somewhat justified in, like, the next ten minutes. So he gets on the boat and he realizes that they have marked the old man's suitcase because they saw the red dot on his ticket. And he just doesn't, he doesn't care. Which is, you know, whatever. They're on the boat. He meets a lady who says that she has never seen him in church. And he's kind of, like, trying to play it off. Like, oh, but we're meeting now, right? And while they're having this conversation, a wave knocks a lamb out of its cage and onto the floor. And it was, you know, Thomas was so quick to, like, scoop it up and hold it. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And then the old man snatches it and just hurls it. Not even over the edge, but, like, really violently hurls it so that it smashes through some boards and into the water because she makes, she decides, you know, and that's, she had, you know, these people are interpreting this as she deciding that the lamb needed to die and who is Thomas to change that fate. Okay, if you were ever on a boat like that, get off ASAP. Yeah, well. Bounce, bounce, bounce. Yeah. So then at that's that's what I mean when I say I no longer felt bad that Thomas switched the ticket cuz I was like that dude oh. just hurled a baby into the river yeah, or whatever that guy. Is, the ocean. But you know, and it wasn't until I watched it the second time that I realized that when he grabs it and everybody goes, you know, they get really kind of still and alarmed and the first time I watched it I didn't really follow what that was. I thought it was more so that that lady was still shocked that a lamb had fallen from the sky soaking and like bashed her on the back of the head. And now I'm getting it that everybody's like, "Oh my god, he stopped." a death but she wants this dead lamb how you know whatever so it kind of sets the tone for what kind of religion we're yeah walking into yeah anyway they make it to the island thomas gets off the boat and he kind of notices that the old man who's picked up his marked baggage which again they marked the baggage with a big white chalk x and i'm like you know maybe play it subtle guys right yeah all these signals subtlety is not this this cult's jam Mm mm-mm Mm-mm. Hubris. Yeah. So uh, so they stop the old man and kind of take him somewhere. But Thomas just keeps walking because he's like, you know, not my deal. Walking into the island, they have like a meet and greet station where they're really yeah. kind of just checking people for diseases and lice and whatnot. Yes. And the woman that Thomas met on the boat has a daughter who's already in the village. Not really sure what the math is there, but that's fine. Whatever. And so they're reunited. They get through the lice check and are signing in, you know, names and everything. And they're given a loaf of bread and a jar and no further explanation because I'm assuming that, you know, cause we're going through this story with Thomas where we don't know anything about this religion. He right. doesn't know anything about this religion, but everybody else seems to be like, Oh, of course my loaf of bread and my jar. So, you know, it's something that's a part of this religion that is not going to be of a surprise to anyone. Right. Um, and Thomas does, you know, a fairly good job of also accepting his bread and his jar and being like, Oh, of course the bread and jar portion of this day. I guess. Right. I love how this makes something as simple as a jar, like feel very sinister. Yeah. You know, because it's mean? an like, empty jar. It's not like here's a jar of, and they call it pickles. The receptacle, it's, yeah, which it is technically a receptacle, mm-hmm. but there's no way that that's going to be where you put your flowers. No, I mean spare change and buttons. No, a receptacle has some sinister use. I honestly, my and like my my thought process. This was exactly what it was. I was like, oh, 
Are they going to pee in that? No, they're not going to pee in that. <laughs> Why would they pee? That doesn't make sense. It's Wrong ba- fluid. Is that their bathroom? That's not them. No. <laughs> Why would that be in the movie? That's not. Important. No, no. That's in the lighthouse, not in Apostle. <laughs> Have you seen the lighthouse yet? No, but I've heard oh, about that. Oh my god. That movie is a lot. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Um, oh, and he's also given an already built home, which I um, also didn't expect because normally on these kinds of scenarios in these movies, they show up and they're like, you can stay with someone until you build your own home. But they're like, oh, yeah, no, we already got it. And it's like, you know, it's a fairly sturdy looking house. It's not yeah. like here's our shack. Right. You know, it's like a fairly heavily timbered room in a board, but kind of boarding house kind of scenario. But I love how once we get to that part, how you understand that it serves as a function for the religion to have that house. Yeah. Because it's like that hallway of blood offerings with the thing yeah. underneath and stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and we also kind of glimpse the the teenage kids. Jeremy? Yes, Jeremy approaches him and offers to be his friend or help him out while he's on the island. And we kind of see a little moment between him and... It's it's not Theon. Theon. Because, but is it, is it Theon? It's Theon, with like Fr- as in F as in Frank. Theon. Okay, that's what mm-hmm. I kind of thought. I kept hearing Theon, but mm-hmm. then kind of heard an F at times. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, the thing is, I didn't catch its pronunciation for like a long time, but I kept seeing it in the subtitles and I was like, how the fuck do you even say that name? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I had like a reverse situation where finally I heard Theon. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I know because there's so many like really modern names in this, like Andrea and Jeremy and right. What's the what's Frank Jeremy's dad's name? Frank or something? Yeah, it's Frank. Yeah, and yeah. then we get and the Fion. one. Well, I mean, and Quinn and Fion. I mean, I guess yeah. it kind of makes sense, right? Like they are good matching pairs. Malcolm, Andrea, Fion, Quinn. You know what? I don't know if I didn't catch this or and you watch it twice. Do they ever address the fact that there are no moms? That all three of the founders are single parents? No. I'm wondering if thematically there's something there. There's something to this. I mean, like the uber patriarchy, right? That they all have kids, but there are no female presences in the home. Yeah. And even the the woman he meets on the boat is a mother who wasn't on the right? Her daughter went first somehow. Yeah. And there doesn't seem to, maybe there, there doesn't seem to be a father. Yeah. And that she's there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. My follow-up question is how Malcolm references himself and Quinn and Frank as brothers all the time. Mm-hmm. Does he mean literal brothers or like brothers no. in their cause? I think there there are three men who were who escaped religious persecution together. Okay. So, so I think it's, it's like, sort it's, of it's, like monk brother kind of thing. Okay. Because I thought for a while he meant literal brother and that would make Jeremy and Fionn cousins and so I mean, I wouldn't put it past this community, but I don't believe they were actually related. Okay. I mean, it doesn't matter either way. I just, it's inconsequential. I was just wondering, I guess. But um, I mean, these are the important questions that need to be asked. God damn it. Right. You know, these are the things that pop into my head while something else is happening on screen that's like much more important. I'm like, oh my God, is that a, wait, are they cousins? (laughs) I mean, that's just good. Like that's, I feel like your lizard brain talking to you like, <laughs> like this What's is not good important for... plot or whether or not these two characters are cousins well i mean like gene pool looked pretty small to begin with so your survivalist gene was activated make sure you know, there wasn't a lot of inbreeding dude like... i think about that stuff all the time do you like all the time whenever i think <laughs> why about, am i surprised like, whenever i think about like pilgrim communities or like oregon trail communities or yeah. like native tribes i'm always like how 
how is it that inbreeding is such a problem like with us not a problem as in it's predominant but like you know we're always like oh can't inbreed because of genes i'm like but there had to have been you know and they're always like everybody traces back to one woman i'm like so and uh you know we get a moment where we're like oh yeah they're into each other cool where later we get a scene where they are doing it on a beach which i don't know if we're all on the same page with this but as soon as that happened i was like oh both of these kids are gonna die before the end of the movie uh, absolutely Absolutely. There's no way you have a, mo- a movie about this really insular, super religious, conservative, fundamentalist community and teens are fucking. There's no way that this is going to end well for them. I did yeah. not expect how badly it would end, but yes. I knew it was not going to be. And then they got married and yeah, lived happily like, ever after in the house that he built from a boat. Right. It was not going to be like <laughs> a slow pan of those two in the back of the escaping rowboat just like, oh. Right? made it off the island. Absolutely not. Yeah. But I was not ready. I was not ready for how bad it would go. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely went, I mean, not differently than what I thought because I didn't think anything. I just knew they were dead, so I stopped thinking about it. Yeah. I was like, it'll happen somehow. Like you were saying, they have big dreams of building a house from this boat, and then they do it. Meanwhile, Thomas is sneaking around, and he witnesses Malcolm go through like a track door mm-hmm. in his floor and he doesn't follow him all the way to the end this time right because this is where he runs into the two kids returning yeah i mean he's like trying to and he sees some people doing like the bloodletting in their homes yeah. and like beckoning their child over to participate yeah but but yeah he we don't totally get to see what's down there yeah. yet we follow malcolm but thomas does not yeah because then thomas at some point pops out of the ground at the old house and is greeted by someone who who I think I'm just going to have to refer to from here on out as Mama's Little Helper because I don't know what else he is. Mama's and cause in Little my, Helper? The man with the mask. Oh, the grinder. Is that what his name is? Yeah. I like mine better. Your Mama's Little Helper is good. <laughs> Even though he's not exactly on her side. But the wicker yeah. face man? Yeah. The wicker face man. <laughs> Dude, I just watched the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man again recently. Oh, excellent use of your time. Excellent. Dude, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. It's I mean, so it's bad. Horrible. But that's what makes it good. That's what makes it so good. So we see the house for the first time. We see the grinder for the first time. Yes. And uh, Thomas witnesses a little bit of teen romance on the island and goes back to his house where we get probably the first, like, really creepy moment yeah. when he's walking down the hallway and there's all these jars of blood lining mm-hmm. everybody's door and he's kind of doing the like oh what the fuck is this like i was and you know his jar's empty obviously his jar's not there or whatever and then we get that shot where it's like down the hallway and the lady is at the end the crazy yes. lady and you know we all knew she was going to immediately be gone as soon as we cut back to that scene and she was and thomas does something that you know even not knowing the religion i'm we could all guess was taboo where he starts pouring other people's blood into his jar so <laughs> i mean i was like, I was like that's yeah not, i mean it's a bad idea but also given the scenario cover. yeah 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 yeah. i mean i would have done the same damn thing yeah you got to come up with a solution you can't just like you know leave an empty jar and then in the morning be like oh i couldn't get it uh, but then, when he's going to unlock his door, he cuts himself on that really decorative key Ugh, and this is into the floorboards. Creepy, yeah. And uh, the bloods move, and then you see the face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was cool though. The and the blood moves of its own volition to the cracks, and then we see the floor lady. Yeah, just 
really into that blood. There is sort of a sense of dread and wrongness that I I love that sort of atmospheric horror. I feel like that's the first time we get a true scary moment. Yeah. This is definitively in the horror genre moment as opposed to period thriller is when she's like (laughs) underneath the floorboards. And I did like that, you know, because it's kind of, it's fairly early in the movie that we, and we see the monster, you know, and I, I expected yeah. this to be like, we allude to a monster into the last 15 minutes and then, yeah, this know, movie kind it. of is not shy about showing you its monster to the point where when you finally get your full, full look at it, it's just kind of like the scene cuts to it and like, there she is. Yep. Yeah. I, I was like, did I miss a scene? What just happened? I liked it though. Me Somehow too. it didn't ruin like it didn't ruin the pacing or Well she wasn't you know. really what was scary about the movies. Yeah. It's the people that are terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also get a scene somewhere in here where he's late to church and that's how we meet Andrea, who is Malcolm's daughter and also kind of a doctor. And you want uh, me to blow your mind? What? That is the daughter from Don't Knock Twice. Oh my god, it is! <laughs> yeah! Because I was like, I know her. I know her. I know her. I know her. And then and I looked it up, I was I'm... like, are you fucking kidding me? The whole time I was like, I know her name, mm-hmm. but I don't know from where. And I didn't look her up, because apparently I don't know. Well, I mean, that's why we're the team, right? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you're the researcher, and I'm the show up and talk about stuff. Hey. This is the group project team, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> exactly. You do the work and I do the presentation. You do the presentation. Hey, you know what? That is a deal I will take all day, every day. Like, if we ever <laughs> suddenly find ourselves transported back in time, like hot tub time machine style, we're in school and we have to do a school project, I will totally do the research if you'll do the public speaking portion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sorry. equal jobs. We'll just, we just both got to show up. Exactly. I agree. I feel like division of labor. We got right. it. We got it figured out. Right, right, right. So what were we talking about? I don't know. I'm I'm such a lightweight. I've had one fucking cider and I'm like, excuse me, I take my pants off. Pretty much. I mean, the sweater had to come off. Who knows what'll happen next? The night is young. And it's Friday. Yeah. So, okay. Um, we met Andrea at yes. church. Yes. Uh, oh, so it's basically we're at the next morning where Thomas is meeting up with Jeremy and Jeremy's all nervous and he's just like, please don't tell anyone. And they have a weird kind of exchange and Thomas basically is like, I'll keep your secret if you keep mine because nobody's allowed to be out after night. And Jeremy asks him for help hauling this boat inland. Thomas and Jeremy have struck up this kind of yes, blackmail based right. friendship kind of. And um, at some point, I think previous to this, uh, Malcolm's thugs bring him the old man that Thomas switched the ticket for. And this man is just beaten, just totally beaten up. And somehow, and I didn't really catch how either time I watched this movie, how this happened. But Michael, Michael, Malcolm Mm -hmm. uh, recognizes that this is not the person that they sent for or whatever. But at this point, like, he can't just... Let him go and be like, my mistake. So they kill him. Yeah. And that's what tips him off that there is a spy on the island somewhere. Yes. Uh, Jeremy asks for Thomas's help to haul the boat in. And he kind of tells a story about how there was someone who was trying to desert the island in the boat. And the ocean took him because she wouldn't let him leave. And she protects them on the island from people who would 
hurt them or leave to go tell other people about them and whatever. And Thomas shows Jeremy his locket with the picture of his sister in it and asks, you know, do you know her? And then Jeremy gives that just the most infuriating response ever when people do this where they're like, I knew her. Yeah. Okay. So he tells the story about how they, all the crops are failing, the animals aren't producing, you know, they're not breeding and they're not having babies and, and the island is failing. And so they... They kidnapped her because they knew her father was wealthy and it was like their last resort or whatever. And we kind of get a cut scene of Jeremy finding her like in a trunk, basically, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, they have – Thomas and Jeremy have problems with this because, you know, Thomas is upset that Jeremy didn't try to help her. And Jeremy's kind of like, well, what was I – what what could I have done, you know? And so through back blackmail, Thomas gets Jeremy to agree to help him while he's on the island. Yes. Um, I think pretty much the next thing that happens is that they're trying to find out who the spy is, right? So Malcolm right. calls all the newcomers into the church and he starts, he gives them kind of like a, a religion quiz where he has them recite from memory yeah. portions of this Bible-like book that he's written and he's trying to find the person who can't do it, right? Because that's going to that's gonna narrow down to who the, the spy is. And just through just luck and fortune, Thomas yeah. ended up kneeling just to the left of the dude who's actually there <laughs> trying to stab Malcolm. Yes. So the, it comes to the guy right before Malcolm, and the guy can't do it. He pulls a knife and for forgotten king or something and just gets super stabbed. Wow. Like, that see, I mean, that was incredible. It was, like, actually really gruesome but also just such a cool moment well and here's the thing is so unrealistic that that would happen like that and i don't even care it was so <laughs> cool looking <laughs> that the whole time every both times i watched it when it happened and i was like i don't even care that that would never happen like that don't even care usually i care about stuff like that where i'm like that would never it would never play out and i saw that i was like i don't even care that's dope yeah it was really cool like and just the way that he's sort of crucified by all of the spears or whatever because i mean like the running theme in this movie is all about sacrifice and so it's just like one more interesting example of sacrifice and then the iconography of of even though he's not like played out specifically in a crucifixion like the way that he's pierced multiple times and propped up while he dies Mm -hmm. is very reminiscent of a crucifixion it's just another cute little not cute that's not the word (laughs) interesting sorry i've had a little bit of alcohol a small kind of moment that reinforces the theme of the movie. Unrelated to the iconography, I also I just really like that the slow when he's like he's still holding the knife out even though he's been stabbed like yeah. totally speared through like four or five times and he's still holding out the knife like just fall on it. Just right. <laughs> run into he's like it. just trip over it. Come on. Right, right. Um but in the tussle Thomas has, uh, I mean, it sucks, but it's also kind of fortunate, but he gets stabbed. Yeah. And so this, to Malcolm, is the sign, like, oh, like, to, Malcolm's reading it as, like, oh, he got stabbed for me. Right. So he rushes him to Andrea's house, and they start trying to treat the wound, and Malcolm slices his own hand and does the whole, like, when one of us bleeds, we all bleed, you know, whatever. And yeah. Accepts him as brother now, and he totally, you know, which, again, sucks he got stabbed, but, like, in the end, like, good move, Thomas. Like, I guess yeah. if you have to get stabbed, you may as well do it for your spy means. Yeah. I think this is, like, a really cool character moment for the Malcolm character, too. Because, yeah. like, you really are unclear. Like, who is this Malcolm char- character? He seems to be, like, a true believer. But is he, like, a David Koresh type of true believer? 
he seems like he's upset by some of these dark things that they're having to do. And so you can't really put a finger on who he is as a character, but you get to see a little bit of his charisma as a leader and why people might rally around him in this moment. And they have this moment where you know, obviously Thomas is not going to get on board with the religion, but you can see that there's a moment where he can understand the fraternal kind of vibe that there is in this. Yeah, or even just if there's a moment where he's like, this this dude isn't necessarily evil. He just has fallen into these circumstances, you know, where he believes something. And I do like that, like, later on in the movie, we do see that Malcolm's kind of like, "Mm, I don't know about this anymore, man. You know, like, I know I was the one who kind of helped start this, but this is getting a little bit bananas. He's clearly someone who's, like, very passionate about this, but it seems like he has a true calling as opposed to someone who is just specifically seeking power, which would get contrast with Quill late, or Quinn later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Andrea stitches up his wound. I liked it the, in the aftermath how Thomas is kind of painkiller drunk, and he's, like, playing with his own blood, and he's like, ugh, I seem to have spilled. <laughs> <laughs> I got cocaine's kicking in. Yep. They have, a um, bit of, they have a little chemistry here. I was kind of on board with the little Thomas Andrea yeah. vibe going between them because she was sort of the modern woman of the island, right? Like yeah. she wasn't fully bought into the religion part of it. She's a woman of science. Yeah, exactly. She was, uh, yeah, an interesting character. I liked Andrea quite a bit. Yeah, I did too. She is definitely a different character than you typically would get in a Wicker Man type of movie. She feels like much more of a person than a plot device, which typically the female characters in these movies are. Yeah, and we didn't have to have, I mean, we had a little bit of it, but not enough to really make her seem like totally, like you're saying, a true reliever. But we don't have that, that scene where Thomas has to convince her this is wrong. There are other ways, you know, whatever. And like, he does have to tell her, you know, he does have a conversation with her at some point about her father. And she's like, no, no, you know, but you can tell that a little bit of her is like, yeah. Right. Her internal struggle is not about breaking with the religion. It's about breaking with her family loyalty a little bit because the thing is this malcolm is a complex character there is the person that she thinks her father is he is but he also has another side to him one that is evolving yeah and i did actually really like that like that the internal struggle felt like it was rooted very much in character and realism as opposed to religious fundamentalism yeah because i think that's not in a literal way but it is a relatable struggle that people have when they care about people and then they watch these people kind of devolving into things that they don't think are healthy you know at points she tries to convince her father like be the man i think you are i also liked those character traits coming together to be that very real struggle Mm -hmm. in a maybe not so realistic scenario but you know like that's that's a real that's a relatable thing that people go through when we're first introduced to these characters you feel like these this is the evil cult but as the movie goes on you kind of find out that they're actually at this crisis point and they're they're motivated by desperation yeah exactly and it's not something that he is actually sitting well with his conscience He's a true believer enough that he's doing them, but he's, I don't know, he's more complex than, like, yeah. Quinn or Frank, who's just kind of weak. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought that was real. I thought it was I really also good. I liked it. I also love Michael Sheen. Ugh, I know. And, uh, well, Malcolm and all these thugs are like, we're gonna go bring her out because we gotta flush the, the spy out, so we're gonna, you know, whatever. Mm, and so... right. Uh, Thomas goes back to his room and watches as they bring his sister out in a cart and kind of fake threaten to kill her and Thomas like holds his ground and I kind of 
I don't know. This scene was hard for me to understand what his motivations were. I assume he was calling their bluff, essentially. Like, he yeah. was kind of hoping, oh, they're not really going to kill her because if they do, they've lost their only card, right? Because, like, right. the spy is not going to reveal himself if, if she's dead. But it also was really hard for him to see her like right. that and to well, watch her any be tortured. chance that she was going to have to be sur- to survive, he could he could not reveal himself. Yeah. It's one of those things where I'm going to watch her die, but if I reveal myself, then she's definitely going to die. Right. Yeah. Right. So, she, you know, they don't kill her, but she's she looks rough. Her makeup, I don't know. I'm going to feel real bad if this wasn't makeup, but the the thinning hair. Oh, that's a wig. Okay, good. I was going to feel really bad if that was just her hair, and I'm like, oh, awesome. You should look up the person that actually plays this character. I cannot believe it's the same person. Oh, I'll have to. Yeah. They did her makeup really well. And and I liked the thinning hair, because that's a thing that would happen under kind of stress and malnutrition like that, and like Mm -hmm. poor conditions, but it's not something we see often in movies. It's it's a very purposeful detail that was really cool. I liked mm-hmm. it. And your fear of scurvy. I'm sure that's like activating your oh fear of scurvy. <laughs> my only explanation is that I must have died of scurvy in a past life or something. Right. Because right. anyway, so now it's the next morning. Uh, Thomas has stood his ground and not revealed himself and his sister, whose name I want to say is Jennifer. Yes. Jennifer is tied up outside and, and, it, it was kind of funny because it was like the, the kids are like, you know, messing with her and the boys are poking her with a stick and this girl's just weirdly just super, super, she just, she's braiding her hair and just thinks it's hilarious and it was kind of yeah. strange. But it's like, you know, there's only so much you can do with child actors. Um, at one but point- But I do like how you use the, the casual cruelty of children to just sort of reinforce the torture. Yeah, it was And just- also the way that they're indoctrinating the kids to be casually cruel in this yeah. moment. Because at one point she, like, lunges at them to, like, try to get them to leave her alone, and the guy who's watching her is like, hey, you let them play. Right. The idea is that, that you teach these kids that once someone is an enemy, that they're dehumanized, and you're allowed to do whatever you want to them. If you're going to start feeding people that, through a funnel to some tree god, that's probably an effective right. lesson to indoctrinate your kids with, right? So just start giving your kids the idea of, like, some people are livestock. That's right. just what it is. Exactly. That's exactly right. I don't fully remember if this is the part where Andrea brings her the food and water. I feel like other little things happen in between. Uh, no, I think this is it. But like, the next, he's, the next yeah. big point is that Andrea is... Oh, no. Andrea has a, has a conversation with Fion yes. at the clothesline yeah. where Fion suspects she's pregnant and is trying to ask Andrea covertly, you know, how would she know? I had feelings about this scene. Because one, normally, I, normally when this happens in movies, they're always like, well, how long have you been with it? You know, whatever. And she's like, oh, just once or twice. And she's like, oh, for like six months. I kind of love Fionn. Because like, Fionn oh. like, is very, someone is very in control of her own sexuality for, for this, this setting and this era and this movie. Yeah. And I just loved when, when Andrea's like, how, how many times? And she's like, oh yeah, like a shit ton. And Andrea's just <laughs> like, oh yeah, you're probably knocked up then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And then the other thought I had about it was maybe I just know less about human anatomy than I should. But it seemed like Andrea was telling her, if you just look, you'll see whether Dude, or not you're pregnant. can I tell you the Google hole I went down trying to figure out if that was, like, actually a thing? Can you? I hope you will. I looked and I couldn't find anything. I thought this was going to be that there were answers. 
No, there are no answers. Okay, because later when she's in the outhouse and actually holds the mirror and seems to figure out that she's pregnant by looking at it, I was like, yeah. I didn't think that's how that worked. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I didn't think that's how that no. worked. I mean, it would have to be like leaving Crowning. her body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, the thing is, is it sets up that super creepy outhouse scene. But that feels like a wives' tale to me. For someone as smart and, and science-focused as our, our little Andrea is, that is a total wives' tale. Well, but not even wives' tale because Fionn sees something where she's like, oh, yep, pregnant. I mean, again, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> but you just play one on this podcast? My understanding is that the baby's not just like, you know, is not like... Idaho! Right? <laughs> it's not like like you know kangaroos like the fetus is like an inch big when it crawls out and gets into the pouch yeah you know it's not like there's like an inch long fetus just like floating around in there being like hey yeah i don't even know if i couldn't even find evidence of this being a wife's tale i don't even know why that took me so long but now i'm just imagining a fetus being like hi ho neighbor <laughs> just like floating through space <laughs> oh my god like, a, you know, when you get a floater in your eye, and he's like, I'm over here. And now I'm over here. <laughs> so there you go. That's the visual I want everyone to go away from with this movie. And that's how babies are made. Mm -hmm. Science fact. Mm -hmm. You can just look. Yep. Just check it out. Yep. Just get a mirror. Check it out. Yep. You'll just see it floating around like an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Fionn and Andrea have a conversation where Fionn thinks she's pregnant. Andrea gives food and water and a blanket to jennifer even mm -hmm. though you know it's frowned upon so oh. they birth another sheep and the lamb is split open through birth defect problems Ugh. which just Ugh. further shows that like you know the, the land is failing yes malcolm or not malcolm thomas has been drawing a map of the village right thomas wants to flush out the spy so they're gonna have this festival even though frank's kind of anti it's frank right who's anti the festival Right. Quinn. It doesn't matter. Someone's anti the festival because they think it's a poor use of resources, which is wise. But Malcolm wants to use it as a way to search everyone's rooms. So they do. The festival is happening. Thomas, as any isolated village festival is, the children wear really disturbing costumes. Really and creepy masks. I, I, as someone who loves folklore, the visual of this or like anything that's like pagan sort of celtic religion any of that kind of stuff always speaks to my heart i love the visual of the creepy kids running around in the masks yeah mm -hmm. and i had just watched wicker man so do you think now that fresh yeah do you think that the masks that they wear because they must reference something are they meant to reference the statue of the woman that's in the town which is we know is her or is it meant to represent the grinder's mask oh I mean, it looks more like the grinder's mask, and it would make more sense if they were like, we're all going to dress up like the man who keeps her captive, but probably the story is is her, is Mama's Little Helper. Mama's Little Helper, that's so upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> so this festival is happening, and there are two two plots afoot. One is Thomas and Jeremy, where they are. the plan is that Thomas is going to in Shawshank Redemption style mask him like hammering away at the foundations of this house under the drums of the festival Malcolm and his thugs are searching all the rooms because they're looking for evidence of someone being the spy so Malcolm or uh, Thomas and Jeremy make it through the foundation and Thomas gives Jeremy like a it's like a, a razor blade right 
or a knife uh, of some sort. Yeah, it's a razor. It's a razor, and he's just sort of like, don't block this up, but if anybody comes, use that. Malcolm and his thugs are searching Thomas's room, and someone's like, I can't remember now who it is. It's not Malcolm, though, but someone's like, this is pointless. Like It's, it's Malcolm, not because Malcolm is sure that he is loyal, oh, right. so Malcolm's like, this is a waste of time. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. And, and, and Quinn's Quinn. like, every room! Every room! Yeah. And that's when they find Thomas's map. Yeah. And that's Clips. the evidence they need to find out, to realize that Thomas is the spy. Thomas has now slipped under the house. Malcolm is like, he's going towards the, the you know, he figures out that Thomas is going to go to the house where, the, where she is. So they're trying to head him off. And it's fortunate for Jeremy. It's his dad, Frank, who finds him at the hole, right? Yeah. And so Frank is just like, just go, get out of here, you know? The pursuit begins. Thomas and Quinn and Frank are trying to find or, uh, Malcolm. <sighs> Too many names, Rachel. The three <laughs> dudes are looking for the one guy. Yes. The one guy is under the house. He's following the pathways or whatever, and it's like this hollowed out cavern. He makes it to the end, to the trapdoor that would lead him to the house where she is. And Malcolm's up there waiting for him to come out, and they're both kind of, st- right, because he's seen it's torchlight or whatever, and then he moves, and so Thomas decides not to go up through the trapdoor, and in- but Frank is coming through the tunnel anyway it's too many things are happening in my head yeah yeah and the the alcohol is slowing my mouth um <laughs> anyway thomas decides that he needs to hide out in the, the the underground blood river which sucks but is also the only option because he's right. gonna get caught either man, way man i don't know i think i might just die right i feel like as soon as you like you see that and you're like a passage and you look down and you're like river yeah. of blood never mind i'm here dudes yeah, I mean, my bad. Ooh, yeah, I, mm, I'd be like, just shoot me in the fucking head. <laughs> I am not getting into that. Like, there's nothing. You want to talk there. about staph infections? And remember, he has an open wound. Oh yeah. <sighs> but I guess that's the least of his problems. He starts getting chased. Yeah. So he's down in the blood tunnel. There's also some sort of bird or something that was making rat noises. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why I got hooked on that every time. But it was very was like, troubling. Is that? that like squealing noise is really upsetting. Yeah. But then something worse comes out of the blood and it's yeah. the underground river blood lady. Yes. And super creepy. Yes. Super creepy. She chases him. He runs. He ends up in a cavern that has like uh, cave paintings. that kind of depict the story of her. Mm-hmm. basically of the people coming to the island and her right so it's right. the next day malcolm and quinn and frank have lost his trail but they know that he's the spy and it's andrea who finds him in the cave right and she's brought him clothes right because yes. she assumes he's made it that or she's hoping anyway she's like maybe i'll find him here right as they're not going back to the village but they leave you know and she shows him a place that looks like it looks like a place that she goes for her own her own science making basically because she shows him that like oh the soil is poison and she does science because she's a woman of science breaks out a beaker and steals my heart she does some science and is like see the soil's toxic and yet it still grows plants and we don't know why we think it's her you know whatever but the land's still dying and the animals aren't breeding or whatever back in the village jeremy and fion have a moment where she tells him she's pregnant and they make these grand plans to move away and frank you know jeremy tells her that frank wants him to leave in the boat with him that day but he'll be back that evening when really frank's plan is just to ditch the island entirely and he's trying to take his son with him but he leaves to go get this little like wooden sign and the minute he was like oh i've got something for you hang on you're like oh fion's dead she'll be dead by the time you make it back yeah so while he's off fetching the sign, her father comes in and as we mentioned earlier he was spying on her in the outhouse and 
somehow was like, oh, she's holding a mirror under her skirt. She's checking for pregnancy and she has found it is yes. decisions he's made. He's real upset about it and murders her. So yes. by the time Jeremy makes it back to the house, she's dead. And Jeremy still has the the blade. Mm-hmm. Um, key moment that you won't, you know, in first watching it, I didn't realize was key until later. But yeah. her dad is holding a piece of blood-soaked clothing of hers by the mm-hmm. fire. A scuffle ensues. and Man, how different would this movie have ended if this scene had ended differently? <laughs> so close! I know! So close! Because Jeremy gets him good in the neck, but not yeah. good enough. No. And... Uh, Quinn stumbles out of the house and starts screaming about how about Jeremy murdered his daughter. That son of a bitch. The village obviously immediately turns on him. So he's running to Andrea's science station where Andrea and Thomas are still talking about the land or whatever. And once it's once he gets there that he gets captured. And it's so sad. It's so sad because like the thing we didn't talk about is it has a developmental delay. And he's just so sweet. This this is just, really brutal yeah. and hard. It's obviously brutal, but it's like emotionally brutal. And I, it, for me, it also kind of really framed the fact that there's a different generation on this island, right? Like these three yeah. younger people who were friends, even though you know, normally in those kinds of, in the, I feel anyway, I feel in these movies normally it would be like the couple and then Andrea, right? But right. this scene kind of showed, oh, the three of them were all friends because they're all of the same age. Right. You know, their dads are all, are all in the same, you know, leadership positions. Mm-hmm. These people, these three young people, you know, and so and because she's legitimately upset that her friend is being. You know, yeah. and not in like a don't murder him way, but like in a that's my friend way. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure, and she and Fionn had scenes earlier where they're, you know, talking about stuff, you know, and it, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I don't think takes, gets a lot of attention in other horror movies. No. The yeah. That, there's like character development between these, these kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, this scene really showed it, especially since, like, he's obviously running to her. He's not running from the village to get away from these people so much as he's going, I know where Andrea is and I need her right now. Yeah. Her little spot seems like, oh, this is, you know, and, and, and anyway, what I'm rambling and trying to get to is that it seems like, oh, you know, these kids hung out together. They, he knows where her secret spot is where she goes to do science and he knows he'll find her there and he knows he needs, you know. <sighs> it was just all very sad. It was really sad. Yeah. yeah. I didn't expect to care about these characters, but I was I like, know. <laughs> that one was, of all of them, I think Jeremy, for obvious reasons, but also just like, as a character, I was like, fuck. I know. I also <laughs> did not expect to give a shit about any of those Right? <laughs> They're usually just meat for the grinder, and they are meat for the grinder, but it hurts. It hurts my heart. Yeah. Uh, but then we get to see the the heathen stand for the first time. Even just, like, the assembling of it is, <sighs> even that feels like violence. Yeah. The anticipation of what is about to happen is so, it is, ugh, it is intense. It is poignant. <laughs> but it has one of the coolest moments, I think, in this movie. Where after they strap Jeremy down and they're doing the head vice uh-huh. and you're seeing through his eyes at the sky and you hear uh-huh. the crack and then the blood spot. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> yep. And that at that point I broke as well. <laughs> that I thought it was cool, not I mean, like an cool. awesome death, but like it was an it was creative. Yes, that's da- absolutely. Why I liked it. Absolutely. But absolutely. it also lets you know that even if somehow Andrea and Thomas managed to convince them not to do the the head corer thing, yeah. 
Jeremy would not have recovered, right? Something right. popped in his head. Like, yeah. he's... That's it's done. He might still be technically alive, but... No. It's he's a not. He's not functioning after that. Uh, and then we get a little bit of a head coring scene, mm-hmm. which I don't know if I have words. It was so <laughs> good because it was so gross. Yeah, I have and, to be honest. At this point, I my eyes were everywhere else. I don't. I couldn't. I couldn't do the whole scene. I did my best. I tried. I really gave it the old Rachel try. But ooh, I did. You did. Oh. You know oh. when you cut a cantaloupe in half and how there's a lot of solid flesh and then there's just like the loose goo in the middle yeah that's what it reminded me of that's just great i mean i saw i looked up for the aftermath and i saw just sort of the soup but (sighs) it's not it is not for the faint of heart this is an advanced horror film this is not a starter horror film (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) if you're not desensitized to gore this might the thing is is the movie even though there are punctuations of violence throughout i don't know that it totally prepares for you for how far it's gonna go no well and that's the thing is that there's not really that many scenes that are super gory but the few that there are are super gory and and all the other ones are pretty quick you know what i mean well maybe not the grinder but like yeah but up to this point they're all pretty quick like the the spears thing was really fast the stabbing was really fast and even though it's gruesome it happens so quick that it's almost over before you've really had time to process it there isn't this kind of build-up that makes this so excruciating and there isn't that lingering shot afterward of the blood and the hair on the head core yeah no there is also not that (laughs) yeah Uh, So they burrow into Jeremy's head, and Quinn gives a speech about being cleansed and whatnot, but then he puts the little piece of bloody fabric from Fionn into his head, and uh, it was a less funny version of that one Rick and Morty episode where they tie sinners to balloons to send them to the heads in the sky. (laughs) That's all I could think of. It's like, show me what you got. It's like, don't worry, you'll come back as babies. I'm a baby now. (laughs) Oh, Rick and Marty. Same theme, different delivery. The thing is, is up to this point, this has been a bit of a slow burn. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I love a slow burn. And I love the sort of creeping sense of dread. But from this point out, like this movie kind of not stop. Yeah. The thing is, is this is about where I paused and I was like, how is there still 45 minutes left? <laughs> like it was right before the head core, you know what I mean? And then I was like, oh, this is how there's still 45 minutes yeah. left. And the, the, the 45 minutes flew by. Yeah, Like right. I looked up and I was like, oh, it's been 20 minutes. Oh, it's over. What the hell? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is the moment where we kind of start seeing Malcolm start to falter, right? So Quinn is right. like, oh, you need to kill the, the spy. And Malcolm seems like he's going to do it, but he seems like, like, he kind of gets on Quinn and is like, you're not the leader here. You can't order this to have happened. And he seems legitimately upset that Jeremy's been murdered. Right. And he's sort of like, you you are not allowed to make these decisions. And Quinn is pulling the power like, I am now, you know, and everybody's yeah. upset. Thomas escapes. Andrea is sad. And Quinn and Malcolm are at odds. Yeah. Right. There's one scene we skipped over that I just want to briefly bounce back to you, and that is the when we actually see her fully for the first time is because Malcolm has, is like approaching her. Oh, right. About you revealed yourself to him, and he feels so betrayed. 
Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. They really do kind of develop this character where you were, we're experiencing his crisis of conscience or like his crisis of faith a little bit. And he felt like he was this chosen one because she revealed herself to him. And now this other person has come. And so he's kind of like being betrayed by everyone, by her, by Quinn, by Frank wanting to leave. Everything is falling apart and spinning out of control. And you can see this moment where he's holding the knife to Thomas's neck. This is the inflection point. He has to decide which direction he's going to go in this moment. There's no kind of going back from this. They get interrupted, but and so you don't really know which way he would have ultimately gone. But I feel like it's it's a rare movie that takes the time to really give you all of this pathos for your kind of villain. Yeah, right? Yeah. Typically, he would be, you know, the Christopher Lee leader, and it's sort of one-dimensional, and they're terrifying. Because it's not that they hate your character, they're just sort of ambivalent to their humanity, to their means to an end. And he get to see a lot of emotional and personal, interpersonal struggle happening mm-hmm. there. I really liked the Michael Sheen character a lot. Yeah. Despite him being technically a villain. There was a lot more to him than what the trailer yeah. led on. Yeah. Which I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, and Frank has also shown up and he's super upset. So uh, he... Yeah, I, I would imagine he'd be bummed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not his day. No. Necessarily. He almost got him on the boat, too. He was so close. I know. Jeremy just had to, like, give a present to his girlfriend or whatever. Otherwise, he would have been on that boat. Damn. <sighs> Messed up, man. If I could turn back time. <laughs> Um, I should not be singing drunk. Disagree. <laughs> anyway, so Frank has now gone to the house with where she is. Malcolm and Quinn are hot on his trail, and Thomas is somewhere in the woods. Also ends up at the house where she is, where he finds out that the grinder slash mama's little helper has shot Frank. And Frank dies. And Thomas scurries under the house just as Malcolm and Quinn show up. And Quinn shoots Malcolm in what I'm sure was not supposed to be a comic moment, which was kind of funny to me, how he shoots him <laughs> and he just flies straight down the trap door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually rewatched that a couple of times because I was like, no way, that, is that really as funny as I think it's probably not supposed to be? But just something about it just like, it was like, this is a horrific situation with a little bit of slapstick. Yeah. It was good. Anyway, so Thomas pops up inside of the house through the floorboards and finds already half of Jeremy on the floor because he's being fed to her. He finds his sister in a bag and then is just cracked over the noggin by the grinder. Yeah. And I honestly, I thought this movie was taking a turn, like an interesting turn, because I thought, because he gets hit real hard, falls to the ground, and his eyes are still open. I thought he'd been killed, right? Right. That would have been a twisty twist. Yeah, he does not get killed, but uh, there is an interesting thing that happened here that I liked where there's this music that's kind of, sounds almost like um, like music box music, but the mm. longer it plays, the more distorted it gets. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 that yeah. was cool. And I thought it was cool because it's kind of like if you are suffering a fresh concussion, that's kind of something that you would experience is that distortion of senses. Uh-huh. And I thought that was super cool because it wasn't like really obviously distorted. It was just like, and it kind of got more and more distorted and not in like a, oh, we're making this nursery rhyme sound creepy it was like the notes started being out of tune and stuff i thought that Mm -hmm. was super cool yeah no i liked it too yeah Yeah. i forgot about it i'm actually glad you brought that back up yeah i thought that was cool but he sees her his sister being taken away and when he wakes up he's in a really complicated torture device it seems like there would be easier ways to do this (laughs) 
<laughs> because it's like torture puppet, but like yeah. Maybe maybe the grinder just gets real bored, so he just like is like, ooh. And I mean, I think the grinder's kind of kinky. Yeah, I mean, he does have sort of a gimp vibe to him. He does. So I could see him being like, let's tie some kinky knots here. Yeah, and put yeah. him through the grinder. But I also feel like there's some like he. I I know this is dumb. I imagine that when things aren't happening, he's got like a drafting table where he's like, in the mechanics, if I took here, it'll make him bend his knees here, and then I can haul. Oh yeah, okay. Just yeah, like so. fully Rube Goldberging it. <laughs> <Yeah>. like- <laughs> little models and he's like oh this one's not working i gotta i gotta restring the strings what do you think the grinder and her talk about for hours between sacrifices do they shop talk or is it just awkward silence all the time i feel like no i feel like probably in the beginning maybe but i think at this point now it's just like silence and then every once in a while one of them is be like can you not do that what (laughs) you just you breathe so loud can you just Try breathing through your nose. <laughs> or, like, the grinder's walking around with his morning cereal, and she's just like, oh, yeah, just bang that spoon around a little bit more. I wasn't right. totally suffering from a migraine already. Thanks. <laughs> I feel like there is, like, a little... I need, like, her and the grinder on their off hours, just, like, getting fucking sick and tired of each other. That would be amazing. Just, like, the unhappy old couple who knows they can't do better, so they just try to do deal with the day-to-day yes exactly (laughs) you know or like he's coming over with the funnel and she's like oh rabbit again big surprise he's like oh okay well why don't you go out why don't you go out and try to find something that's not that's right you're a fucking tree (laughs) (laughs) excuse me she's like i'm going for a swim in the blood river of course you are it's always the blood river this so bad come on universe you owe me (laughs) we're so good at reviewing movies (laughs) okay so he's in the sexy grinder machine yeah and he starts getting ground uh-huh. And we get another really good gore scene where he gets most of the fingers ground off of a hand. Which, like, you know, as the hand's getting closer, and I was like, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't? They wouldn't. They did. And then they did. Yeah. It was a lot of fingers. It was like three of the five. Ah! See, I was looking through my fingers during this part. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Struggle ensues, and Thomas manages to... He, well, he fish hooks the grinder, but with an actual hook. Yeah. Yeah. And then grinds him. Grinds yeah, he him does. Good. <laughs> and then he approaches her, and she's speaking another language that we get subtitles for. Little, little red thorns pop out of her fingers, and she Vulcan mind melts him and tells him yes, the story of how this happened. And, I mean, we've already been told that uh, Malcolm, Frank, and Quinn were exiled or imprisoned for you know speaking out against the king and the bible i think yeah and they escape and end up on this island and as they're wandering around they come across her and quinn wants to like bash her with a with a stick and uh malcolm stops him and goes to her and that's how we learn that you know that's how they found her or whatever yeah and that she's I mean, Quinn gives a lot of exposition because, meanwhile, he catches Andrea praying to the Christian god and shackles her with Jennifer. And then we get his villain's speech. This was a twist I did not see coming. 
Yeah, right? Like, he turns into the bad guy from Don't Breathe. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, so he's giving his big old speech about how, you know, in the beginning, they found out that blood nourished her and she could grow the things, but then, you know, rabbits stop. And we get, like, a really upsetting scene where they're, like, force-feeding her rabbit blood from a rabbit that's still kind of alive. And how that now that wasn't working and so malcolm tried to feed her his own blood but that wasn't working and so he's figured it out quinn's figured it out she needs babies she needs to eat infants so now his plan is that he's going to impregnate these two women and once a year or i guess if you spaced it out correctly twice a year but you know he doesn't seem to be a good planner uh (laughs) he's gonna feed the babies to her and the island will have life again you will avail your body to me. Mm. Yeah. Icky. Ah. <laughs> her asks Thomas to free her. And Thomas, I don't know. He, so he says, you know, I'm sorry and lights her on fire. But the look yeah. on her face says to me, like, you know, yeah, no, that's, did I not just say? Yeah. Like, that, I mean, if the in the wall paintings, you see her sitting upon like a fiery pyre. So I think this is the process. This was meant it's to death happen. And rebirth. Yeah, exactly. It's also sacrifice, right? Like yeah. at the end of the day, sacrifice is what she was feeding on, but she also has a cycle where she has to make the ultimate sacrifice. And then it's, well, I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but it's then well, reborn. Well, and it's, a, it's the tree life cycle too. Oh, right. Like you burn a tree old, and then, yeah. And it fertilizes the earth and then new trees can grow. And also, like, aren't there certain seeds that pop open only when there's a forest mm-hmm. fire? Yeah. yeah. Like pine cones or something pop open. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's into it. He sets her on fire. Malcolm recovers from the the trap door in time to see that the house is on fire. And Thomas makes it back to the village and is like, where's Andrea? And everything's on fire. And they're like, oh, Quinn got her. And so, he goes to wherever they are. He starts fighting Quinn. Jennifer gets the gun. I thought this was, I liked this moment, too, where she's, like, aiming it at them and doesn't quite know what to do. And then (laughs) Andrea's like, no. Yeah, and Andrea's like, lady, come on. (laughs) It was pretty great, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She takes the gun, shoots their chain out of the wall, you know, and then they have to teamwork, pull it out, and then they help Thomas to kill Quinn. (sighs) Yeah. Mine eyes have seen things, people. Mine eyes. My poor little eyes. And Thomas gets stabbed a bunch. He's Even not doing though hot. it's not as visceral as that box cutter scene in Green Room, it reminded me of that. The drawn out nature of them just dragging in the two different directions. I was like, and it just went, I know it probably lasted three seconds. It felt like a five it minute felt thing. I was like just a like, lot longer. And then and like how it just kind of like squiggled at the end where it like got to the softer tissue. And I was just yeah. like, no. <laughs> <laughs> My body was, like, contorting. And I was just up on one butt cheek, like, ah! <laughs> like, I was, like, <laughs> like popping a willy, like, <laughs> yeah, it was, whew, What is wrong with me, then? Because I didn't have that reaction to either of those. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess you're the husk. <laughs> I, Congratulations! Yep. <laughs> We're gonna send you a husk trophy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, that was, for me, it was quite intense. I'm not dead after all. I'm not dead inside. There's still, well, I mean, a little bit more than I was yesterday. On the sliding scale. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Quinn is dead. There's a boat that's leaving. Thomas is, 
trying to get Andrea and Jennifer to the boat. And as they're running, he, like, his body gives out, right? Because he's bleeding from, like, a million different places. Ugh. Yeah. And so he tells, he tells them to go. You know, they have their, their sorrowful goodbyes. Andrea I was and, like, are they going to make out? Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Andrea and Jennifer make it to the boat. We get that cool cliff exploding into yeah. fire and blood. Yeah. yeah. It, the purification, right? Because that was fetid, disgusting river of bones and blood that were kind of the sewage of what they were with her being trapped. That They had created these sewage pits. So as this is happening, the island is cleaning itself out mm-hmm. and purifying it's flushing itself. out the infection. Kinda. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it just uh, looked fucking cool. And it just looked dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The last scene we get is Thomas dying slowly on a hillside as Malcolm limps up. And Thomas's blood is soaking into the earth. And they have a meaningful soul gaze moment. And then Thomas leans back and becomes the next wood Him. spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Earth, earth, earth witch. Yep. And that. that's the movie. And that's the movie, folks. All right. What did you think? I liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I was not bummed that I watched it twice. <laughs> and you know what? That is that says a lot. That those is not a not a short movie. No. That, that was is a, a chunk of time to watch twice. I fucking loved this movie. <laughs> Obviously I'm a wimp and the violence is a bit much for me. But I'm getting there. I'm getting stronger with every or more dead inside, however we want to say it, with each of these like <laughs> really intense movies that we watched. But everything about it is my kind of movie. I like the period horror set horror. I mm-hmm. like the secluded cult horror. I liked the really cool mythology. I thought the characters were really interesting and well developed. Everything about this movie I loved. Even the grim ending. Everything about it. I could not have asked for more. I loved this movie. We've had two in a row now that I'm, I I had a feeling I would like this, but these have been some of my favorite movies that we've watched these last two. So we're on a roll, my friend. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, like, even after they look like people, I mean, I love they look like people and I loved what was the one about the two kids. One of them was like a a zombie. Oh, running dark. Yes, all of these movies have very rim sort of vibes to them. So, but yeah, I I loved these this movie. Oh, but I got three of your four. You did, yeah. You you do a good job. You pick good movies. You pick movies I would never pick, and then I'm like, oh wow, I really like this. <laughs> <laughs> I should branch out more. But I guess that's kind of the point of this per this podcast, right? Like, is to push us to but, watch stuff to watch that, that we hadn't gotten around to watching or didn't think we would want to watch. I did also choose Indigenous, so. Yeah, but I also picked Mercy Black, so. (laughs) (laughs) You can't can't win them all. I really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it because, I mean, I feel like whenever we break down things we like, you're always more thematic and I'm like, the more technical and i don't know if that's because of the film the vision of labor baby the vision of labor there's something yeah right yeah exactly but (laughs) i I love this because there was so much thought put into all these little details that get Mm -hmm. overlooked so easily and other like like i was saying like the wig with the thinning hair yeah and the distorted music when he's getting a concussion and things like that and there were so many little like details that really brought more to the reality you know and it's not something that's like super obvious it wasn't like oh look how bloodshot his eyes are but every time you looked at him you're like he just looks unwell you know and it's stuff that i think gets overlooked a lot in other movies and would really give a lot to the storytelling and then also what you're saying about all of the character development and how we get all these 
it's not even like whole scenes it's not like i need a scene where andrew's walking around being like i've known jeremy and his fiance since we were children and they're my best friends in the world and we've spent all our lives to get you know like we got but we got that story in other ways that was really well done kind of thing yeah and Mm -hmm. i i I just there's takes so much planning and it takes it's such a careful intricate thing to be able to do stuff like that that when I see it happen it's like I super appreciate it because it's hard it's hard to do that also we didn't talk about but this movie looks amazing Mm -hmm. all of those big wide shots of the remoteness of this green hilly island and then the set design all of the set design for the little town is incredible like that hallway has tons of atmosphere the church that's like sort of built into a natural wall where you have this meeting like it kind of communicates this idea of the meeting of um organized religion and then like something that is like very earth and pagan based Mm -hmm. but it's like all encompassed you don't even really think about it but you in sort of absorb it just based solely around the set design creature design on her is so cool yeah at first when you see it she feels like weirdly contained and then you understand that she's trapped she was very cool looking and it told you a lot of bit about the state of her in a subtle way that as the story develops you understand why she feels that way i don't know i loved yeah. it gorgeous movie gareth evans i'm waiting for him to do something i don't like i loved the raid the best thing in all of the VHS series is his his section, and now this is excellent as well. Come on, Gangs of London. It sounds awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, I also really love The Warriors. So anything that sounds like The Warriors, the Warriors I'm in. is awesome. <laughs> Do people not like The Warriors? Are they, what? I think, I think there are two camps on The Warriors. Okay. People who love it and people who have never seen it. Ah, I agree. That's fair. <laughs> I saw like the director's cut in a theater once, and it really? was yeah, like in this tiny little theater in Berkeley. Yeah, it was awesome. So I, I can't have... not put like if there are bottles around, I cannot not right? put them on my fingers. <laughs> Come out and, and play, play. yay! Like, you can't do it. <laughs> you have to. You can't. You got to do it. All right. So we both liked it. The question is, if you were going to watch it for a third time, what? would you pair with it as a beverage i mean this is not creative in the least but this is like a totally like the darkest red wine you could ever like maybe port something Ah. that tastes like wine but has that alcohol burn to it right and it's like the right yeah because it's like all about drinking blood right And it's kind of thick yeah Yeah. so a nice port like a really burny port a burny port Got it. That sounds that makes perfect sense to me. To That's be honest. that was my best birthday present. My bo- my brother got me a bottle of port. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it's like if you, I mean, I I don't think you should do this, but if you put bourbon into a red wine, mm, <laughs> it's my two favorite. Things. I don't know that I've ever actually had port. It's not for everyone. Not a lot of people like it. I would like to try it though. Oh, it's so good. I'm curious about it. All right. And it's got a higher alcohol content than regular Which is wine. important. <laughs> All right. So we did not get any feedback this time, unfortunately. But we do love to hear from you guys. So if you had some thoughts on this movie or you have a recommendation of a movie we should do in the future or you just have something you want to say, we'd love to hear from us. You can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com. And you can also hit us up on the Facebook page. We are lurking around there and we would love to hear from you there as well. And if you're enjoying the show, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars. Okay, thanks. 
all right. So I guess it just leaves what we're going to do next time. Mars, you are up. Do you have any idea what you want to do next time? I believe that the year 2020, <laughs> we really need to think about our past accomplishments mm-hmm. and try to find ways to, you know, better ourselves. We take the bars we've already set and we think, how, how can I go higher? <laughs> oh, God. So, Rachel. No, what? I'm taking that indigenous bar and I'm raising it. Oh, shit. That is a high or should I say low bar. You're going to go below the bar? We're going into the upside down. Oh, my God. I'm gonna, we're we... going to watch a movie on Amazon Prime called She Walks the Woods. Oh, dear. She it walks... is a found footage movie. Okay. The uh, Amazon description uh is over 1600 people have gone mysteriously missing in our national forests and a group of friends while filming an amateur survival web series encounter the thing that's responsible (laughs) dear god what have you done i'm bringing my a game you're bringing your f game i'm bringing my 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 c to f game (laughs) all right folks we're doing it. Buckle this is up. how this works. You don't have a choice. You have to watch. We pick it. You watch it. Done. She walks. What is it? She walks the woods. She walks the woods, baby. Walk. <laughs> Mars, take us out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming, folks. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Sorry, I'm taking my headphones off and it got caught in my glasses. One second. Okay, they're back on my head. <laughs> I thought I could slyly take my sweater off, but instead I just got all wrapped up in my head. I once uh, fully successfully t- took my bra off while we were doing one of these. What? That's impressive. I, I had no idea. I know. I really I didn't think it was going to... There was a um, couple of moments of panic. A little touch and go? Yeah. Yeah, there were some moments <laughs> where I was like, I'm going to have to just say it and we're going to have to pause this. <laughs> I'm fully stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) The other day, okay, sorry, I know I'm sidetracking this, but the other day he's like, uh, he's like, police are just on the train. And I was like, what happened? He's like, they had to take someone off. I'm like, fuck, okay. So then he comes home and tells me the guy was like running around the train, like breathing really, like up and down the train, like breathing really heavy with his pants around his ankles. No, they're around his hips. Oh, they're around his hips, but... But everything was blowing in the wind. Oh, what? (laughs) She said, oh, what? It was like the Minotaur. (laughs) Did you hear him? The Minotaur and the Labyrinth. Oh, my God. Like, I could picture the steam coming out of his nose. (laughs) And apparently he was smelly. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Really, that's the least of your problems at this point. If If his dick is out, like... I don't know. I think all of those factors combined becomes the most of your problems. <laughs> it really is a sum of all the parts. Yeah, there really isn't a better or worse part of that scenario. It's all yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. I'm going to make such a bad decision, Rachel. It's going to be so great. <laughs>